gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice are the most powerful forces of good ever assembled. Dedicated to truth, justice, and peace for all mankind. in the aisle, and just for a housekeeping matter, my primary job here is to keep her of time, and so if anyone goes beyond asking a question, I'll ask you to land the plane quickly so we can get on with the questions, so we can keep it moving. Cool? All right, I'll introduce, thank you. I'll introduce our panelists. They can show hands, but you all know who these people are. Okay, uh, first I'm gonna give you an introduction about our panel. Stan Lee and Jack Kirby created Black Panther 50 years ago in 1966, introducing the first black superhero to the Marvel age of comics. More than a superhero, though, the Black Panther was the king of the technologically advanced African nation of... <laughs> making him one of the most powerful players in the Marvel Universe. The decade since countless creators, some of whom sit here and stay with us this morning, have helped to build and shape the Panther's legacy across comics, television, and in 2018, film. Our panelists this morning, ta Coates, MacArthur genius and national book for the Good morning, thank you all so much. First question, 
And whoever wants to, to take it, um, what drew you to Black Panther? This man. <laughs> um, as a comic book fan, it was just fun to see someone, I know it's going to sound a little cliche, that looked like me. You know, uh, I loved Spider-Man, I loved Captain America, I loved Wolverine, but when you saw Black Panther up there and the fact that he could stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with these guys, and the fact that Iron Man had his suit, but you know, if he stepped up to Black Panther, he still had to fight. That's what drew me to him. Besides, he was just the coolest brother around, too. That album was dope. What drew me to the Panther was, it was cool to see a black superhero that wasn't just a sidekick. And secondly, it was cool to see a black superhero that was king of a nation and also a black superhero who was just as smart as um, Bruce Wayne and Tony Stark. It wasn't like it was just this black superhero from the ghetto who happened to land in Africa and become crowned a king because he was from the hood. He had um, powerful human royal characteristics and that was shocking for a little kid living in Hollis, Queens, New York to see a superhero that was a leader. When I first started doing the Black Panther in 1973, and believe me, this was a pop culture and uh, the media um, were not careful about um, how they treated diverse people. And they were doing reprint books on jungle action that were the most racist things in the world. And I really could, I was the proofreader. When I first went there, I was proofreading these reprint books. And I said, I can't believe that you guys are printing this stuff in 1973. So they, later on, when they, they, if you're on staff at Marvel, there's an unwritten rule. There's a lot of unwritten rules that you learn as you're going into battle every day in those halls. You understand that writers, there are some writers that are going to go out and they will take, uh, you know, get rid of a book to get another writer stuck a book that's lowering in his sales. So I was given a book and told later they gave me the Black Panther because Jungle Books didn't sell. Uh, Joe Cooper had tried and done Tarzan for DC and it died. And so they said, they will give it to Don and we'll give him Killwave because science fiction doesn't sell either. And, and then we'll tell him, tell him we have given him a chance and he's failed. And thank God for you folks out there because <laughs> They didn't. You people wrote so much, and they got so pissed off that I was getting so much mail on these books. You know, and so it was like there was a justification for going through all of the fire that you had to go through. When they asked me to come back to the character in the 80s, I kept telling Michael Higgins, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't fight with you guys anymore. You know, when I finished up with Panther's Rage and did the stuff with the clan, Marvel wasn't behind this. This was, like, we weren't getting any promotion. They wanted to, you know, that was my death knell. It was like, once we put them up the path on the cross, and my first line, and I still wanted, to, I'm glad we got it in there, he's not a symbolic Christ figure. He's a human being. And I love doing Charlie because 
he, yes, he had his policy, he had his grace, and he had his ability, and he's a, he's a leader. I think one of the things people love about him, he's a king, he can do any damn thing he wants, but he really wants to represent his people the best he possibly can. And that's what he tries to give the people time in, time out, even when he fails. Gentlemen, please all weigh in, if you would. Everyone weigh in, so. Well, I'll, I'll say, uh, what, uh, what attracted me to Black Panther as an artist is, uh, and I've, I've done everything. I've done Batman, Superman, Flash, just about every comic book character that you can imagine. But, um, but when I got the script to Black Panther, I realized this was going to be a job where I had to push the limits of my imagination. You know, really create something um, just whole cloth. Black Panther uh, was, you know, uh, you know, 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 coming up late 80s, early 90s, and at that point, he didn't really have his own book, and so I had to you know, go back and research. And, and then, you know, two things I, I got immediately. I'm a real big character guy, and Panther was a superhero, and he was a king. And, you know, some would argue he's not even quite a superhero, he's, you know, more the king or whatever. The, the very fact that that debate immediately, you know, exists was an immediate attraction for me, because I was like, okay, I, I got tension right there. I got dramatic tension. It wasn't, um, Enough. I mean, you can design a character with the coolest powers in the world, and the Panther is cool. Looks cool in that suit, I'll tell you that. And, you know, be a genius, you know, athlete, all of these, you know, superhuman, all of these things. But if you don't have something at the heart of it, you know, there really, really isn't anything there. So once I had, you know, that, that dramatic tension, that was it. And, you know, that really is the work of people like Christopher, you know, creators that, that, that came before me. And then the second thing was, this world, this separate place called Wakanda, which, you know, Don McGregor and, and, and Billy Graham had done this just beautiful, beautiful job. Billy was beautiful. Yeah. He was incredible, incredible, incredible eyes. He'd done this beautiful job of sketching out this entirely different, you know, almost plane of existence. You know, and the opportunity to A, play with a character, you know, with that sort of tension, you know, at his heart right there, and B, venture off into this imaginary world where, you know, just as a side note, all the people are black. I mean, who could, I mean, who could want more than that? That was it. That was it. You know, I retired, leave my job, the Atlantic called me up, we got a problem now, you know, you write Black Panther. So this was it. This is all I wanted, man. Taking white people who were stumbling and trying to steal vibranium, or then they sent them to America to be a Harlem school teacher. Like, what? He's a king of a foreign nation. What are you talking about? Why? So, So now when we start doing the characters, and it's an all-black cast of characters, the first thing I'm told is don't put Killmonger back on the cover because basically, and Mitch Buckler just recently said this to me, they didn't want black villains on the cover. And so therefore, it was another year before I could actually put that character that, that he could appear on the cover again. And the only the reason why Buckler was there is because he wore the droid. And then I got lucky. I was good pals with Billy Graham. Billy gave me, I used to stay up in Harlem at 143rd Street in Lenox. Billy always gave me a place to stay when I came to New York, along with Alex Simmons. They gave me so much grief over, where's the white people now? Where's the white people? I said, well, according to your mythology, they're somewhere on the outside world. And then they kept telling me they wanted the Avengers in there. 
because I, I said, I don't want white people coming in. That'll put my credit The black guy doesn't need it. And John? John? Nobody wanted to be thought of as a racist. So there, and yet at the same time, there are very much limits to what you could do. Having done the first interracial kiss in Comics and Kill Raven, believe me, that was a big deal. There's nothing I can do to please you people. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Aletha Martinez. We're with family this morning, so a question that we asked the panelists earlier will ask you now. What, what drew you to this character? Marvel Dance, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, actually, this is my second pass at it. When Marvel Knights first relaunched um, Black Panther, I worked with Mark Texier on that character, and that was a lot of fun. So coming back all these years later and seeing how much the universe has changed. We're sort of a, a point where we're seeing a cultural change as, as comic books are becoming much more a part of the mainstream, and hip-hop is a part of that. Um, cultural diversity is a part of that. There's many more diverse artists and writers working, and I know Marvel's working harder than ever to make sure that we are represented in that regard. Talk about Panther's significance in the here and now, right? With all that's going on in the world, Black Lives Matter, the things that we all see in social media and on television, um, that breaks all of our hearts. What does he mean in this space now, you think? Um, you know, I was talking about the reactions in the offices to the books when I initially did them. But one of the things as, as I was going, you know, as you go through life and I was getting older, like when you have a man like Dwayne McDuffie. And his talent and his compassion as a human being to write a piece, I don't know if any of you have seen it, Dwayne wrote a piece on what those Panthers Rage books meant to him, because they had an all-black cast of characters, and they had all walks of life. And my feeling was, every character in the book, male or female, politician, technocrat, farmer, they're all Wakandan. And I know it meant so much to Dwayne that he would write the piece that he did about how those books changed his life, and you know, and it's in the, the hardcover version. When I first read it, I had to buy the book. I had to buy the book. <laughs> I was paying $12 a page to write it. I had to buy the book for 60 bucks. <laughs> but Dwayne wrote a piece in the back there, and I hadn't read the whole thing. He had me in tears by the time I was finished that he could think so highly of those books. So what we're seeing now, uh, largely as a result of your artistry and the industry that you work in, uh, is that we're seeing this, this cross-cultural thing happening where, uh, 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 you know, hip-hop is hip-hop and it has no color. And where, where modern contemporary stuff styles have no color. And now we're seeing younger generations who are not hung up on black or white or gay or straight or whatever like that. We, they just don't do that anymore. And that's why we're seeing, and now we're now recognizing there's money to be had in it. So we're gonna take, we're gonna take this character and turn him black all of a sudden, and we're gonna push this guy off a cliff and the guy who replaces him happens to be a black woman or whatever the story is. But hopefully we'll move past some of these more result-oriented decisions and come out with characters that are just like Black Panther, who was constructed from the ground up to be a fundamentally unique character who happens to be 
uh, black, or it happens to be African. But hopefully we're going to see a more resurgence of that, and I think that you know, speaks to why we're seeing more and more diversity in the lineup. Some you know separate galaxy cut off uh, from the larger university, the larger university of, of entertainment and art. Um, I mean, America has deep problems with racism, right? Um, it you know stands to logic that that would affect the entertainment industry also. Um, so when I was a kid, like uh, you know, you're looking for yourself on TV. Uh, you're looking for yourself in movies. You just really, really want to see it. Hip hop was really, you know, the only place. You know, I, I really went to see. You know, I think there's something to that to how MCs you know, sort of you know make themselves into their own heroes. You know, if you wanted to feel big, you know, you listen to Run DMC or something like that. That's what you did. Yeah. But, but I have to say, even even you know, with that said. I mean, maybe I'm singular in this, but second to that, to me, was comic books. Um, you know, I started reading when the first, say, Super Bowl series is happening. And at that point in time, Iron Man was black. And I was like, Iron Man's black? <laughs> like, like, that was the first thing I saw. I didn't start with Tony Stark. I started with Jane Rose. When I started the lead on the X-Men, was a black. I was like, really? This is actually happening? So for me, and I'm not trying to defend anybody here, right? You know what I mean? Because I think, like, what we're talking about is really, really bad and just kind of bad. <laughs> right? You know, kind of bad, but what's the thing? I mean, there was nowhere to see, you know, black heroes, you know, when I was a kid, except comic books. I mean, we can get into all sorts of debates about, you know, Luke Cage's uh, depiction over time historically. There was no Luke Cage on TV for me. There was no Luke Cage. You know, I mean, this is just at the beginning, beginning of, say, Denzel Washington's career. We were first beginning to see, you know, sort of, bad black dudes like that, but they just, there really, really was no way to go. So for me, you know, it made me like, maybe I was like a deprived child. The comic was like a refuge after. It was actually where I went. I was like, okay, I can kind of see, you know, something of myself. The sort of complexity that Chris Claremont gave Storm after she lost her powers, for instance. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was like, I you know what I mean? So I think um, you know the, the context of it is really, really you know important. That is not you know to contradict anything that anybody said on this this panel at all. You know, but I, you know, I have to say part of my attraction, you know, to Marvel comics was there was at least some representation. There was you know, an entry way to, to you know come in. But there are other people that that role having that role model is the key that they need to actually go for it. And uh, and I think now that all of us are showing up on the internet. People have those role models, and they're going, "Well, look, that guy's doing it. That woman's doing it. I'm going to do it." Being being on Broadway, uh, I find that it's 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 an escapism for for fans. So like, there's crazy things happening in the world, but you can go into a theater and escape it for about two hours. Um, there are crazy things happening in the world, and you can go up to, um, since it's right around the corner from me, I can go up to Midtown Comics and pick up a comics and just like, I'm not going to watch the news, I'm just going to focus on what is happening in the Marvel Universe, and everything is perfect here, even though the world's about to end. It's fine, I know they'll fix it by the last page, you know, and... <laughs> and sometimes... When you get that escapism, it's like when you look on the news and you see uh, things happening to brothers and sisters or, or, or females. I mean, you look at the, you know, the president's election and people talking about fat shaming and all that kind of stuff. But you look at the comic books and you see someone who looks like you and this person is fighting the system and winning. You, you, 
there's a part of you that says, even though the system in real life is bad, maybe if I model myself after this person, it'll get better. So when you see Black Panther step up to situations, you go, all right, cool. Now, tomorrow, I know I'm not going to slap a cop, but I'm going to walk like Black Panther and not get in a situation and speak like a Wakandan king. He goes, where are you going? I am going to my job, sir. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. You know, it's an escapism and it just, it just, it kind of just, that escapism kind of gives you the power in your real life to do something different. I remember there was this little um, African-American round kid who came to see Aladdin and he had never seen the genie in Disney's Aladdin. He had never seen the white guy play. He saw me and he was like, I could be a genie. And I was like, damn, I never thought of it like that. <laughs> there are kids going to the Marvel films who they see Black Panther and, you know, Civil War and you go, when I go to Toys R Us and you see those Black Panther outfits for Halloween, you go, there's some kids who are gonna dress up like Black Panther. My mama had to make me a Black Panther costume. <laughs> you can buy one now. So I think it's an escapism that kind of helps you go, I can deal with it. I just need a place to go for just a minute just to get away from the craziness. That's a that's a theme kind of playing. playing. That makes me feel bad. About <laughs> <laughs> the same degree of royalty. <laughs> but like, what's um, what's what's strange is um, is like I, I thought of this and I went, yeah, this would be cool. But then I thought, oh man, Marvel would never let me do this. And uh, and I I didn't want to just jump in and do it, you know, because the character existed before us. So I called the um, I called Will, my editor, and I said, hey man, can I do this? And he was just like, ah. Uh, let me talk to Axel. <laughs> and, uh, and what's really cool is, uh, is he called up Axel, and Axel was just like, "Yeah, go for it, go for it." <laughs> so it was like it was it was really um, kind of kind of neat to make that decision and have Marvel back me up on it. You know, and uh, so now that's kind of part of the character. Uh, I'm hoping that it gets to a point where it's uh, it's just called sci-fi. You know, where, where it's not called black. And I think, just, just really quickly, I, just to piggyback on what Brian said, that actually reflects like how you actually, the actual process of creation. I, I don't want to say we ever forget that T'Challa's black. We don't. But like that will only get you so far. Like once you actually, like at some point you have to accept, oh, this is a human being and I got I to gotta get this figured out. So if we could actually get to the point where it's labeled that way, that would more mirror the actual creative process of, of what happens. You know, you, you're still writing just like it's any other character with any other motivations.